And now, here is Walter Bingham. Hello and welcome to the program for July 18, 2023, which is the 29th of Tammuz 5783 in the Hebrew calendar. I'm your host, Walter Bingham. As I've said many times, Israel is a country that shows great concern for the welfare of its citizens, particularly those who need special care. That's why we have more volunteer workers per capita than any other country. Today we shall hear about the great work of our medical clowns. Also in the program is a report about the half-hearted actions of the British government to contain the terrorism emanating from Iran. I shall also talk about the rise of the former international soccer player who became president of his country, an unprecedented story. Listen to the pros and cons of the internet and how the social media is taking us into Orwellian times. But I begin with a few words about the effects of the demonstrations and actions against government policies that are designed to disrupt the daily lives of law-abiding citizens and at the same time cause damage to the economy. You haven't seen anything yet, boasted the organizers, apparently hinting at violence. It seems obvious that the demonstration has become infiltrated by other interest groups and by professional troublemakers and other militant groups that are taking this opportunity to promote their agendas. Many rainbow flags can be seen at these events. The law against willful disruption of traffic for political reasons and causing criminal damage must be more strictly enforced. Israel National News reported that opponents of the legal reform proposed by the government vandalized the building of Likud Knesset member Ariel Kainer with stickers accusing him of being a religious hardliner and supporter of a halachic state. These are the same people who demonstrate against democracy in government when the policy is not to their liking. They are determined to undermine the expression of any thought that does not correspond to their intention, which is to turn Israel into a secular state devoid of any Torah values. That is their version of democracy. They will sooner or later learn that vandalism is counterproductive and that all their efforts are in vain because the government will not be intimidated by childish acts, nor shift from their declared plan, but become more determined to carry it out. It has been long overdue, but finally, during a four-hour-long debate in the British House of Commons, the bill presented by Secretary of State for Leveling Up, Housing and Communities of the United Kingdom, Michael Gove, to ban public bodies from boycotting Israel has passed its second reading, but only after sustained criticism of the scope of the legislation from Tory backbenchers and from opposition MPs. Labour state Margaret Hodge says the bill is using Jews as a pawn in the government's political game. The bill is expected to pass the third reading and become law. 
Gove said the government's economic activity of public bodies bill would critically provide protection for minority communities, especially the Jewish community, against campaigns that harm community cohesion and fuel antisemitism. Gove continued that the action was necessary against BDS because there is an existing organized and malign campaign that aims to target and delegitimize the world's only Jewish state. On the other hand, and illogically, the UK government has again rejected calls from communal groups and MPs across all parties to proscribe Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, the IRGC, as a terrorist group. No reasons were given, but instead, the Foreign Office said it will expand the criteria by which supporters and companies can be put under sanctions. This will allow ministers for the first time to sanction individuals for their activities inside the UK and not just Iran. If you hear the name George Way and are a follower of European football, you will immediately think of the great former professional player for AC Milan, Chelsea and Manchester City. Way, born in Monrovia, Liberia, scored more goals in his career than any other African player. Among his important awards, too many to list, he was named African, European and World Player of the Year in 1995, an unprecedented achievement. His son Timothy, an American citizen, is following in his father's footsteps and plays for the renowned Italian club Juventus FC. Liberia's internal politics have for years been unstable and after retiring from football, George Way entered politics with the intention to bring stability to his country and following a series of political activity, he was elected as president of Liberia with more than 60% of the vote and inaugurated in January 2018 which marked the first transfer of power between two democratically elected leaders in Liberia since 1944. Last week, President George Way of Liberia came to Israel on a state visit, bringing with him a delegation including his senior ministers. At a meeting with Israel's President Isaac Herzog, they discussed the aid that Israel provides to Liberia. We heard that there is an open offer by Israel to host 100 Liberian students to a one-year agricultural training course that has so far not yet taken place. Isaac Herzog, our very much hands-on president, asked some searching questions about which side caused the delay and said that we should make it happen as soon as possible. Although we have a non-resident ambassador to Liberia, President Herzog also wants to see a Liberian embassy in Jerusalem. President Wei also had a meeting with Prime Minister Netanyahu during which the two leaders discussed ways to strengthen bilateral ties, especially in innovation, agriculture and making Israel's knowledge more accessible for the challenges facing Liberia. 
Prime Minister Netanyahu expressed the hope that relations would continue to strengthen in the future. Being an inpatient in hospital, even when not bed-bound, is, to say the least, not a wishful experience, however comfortable the staff try to make you. Thoughts about going home are uppermost in the mind. The atmosphere of being surrounded by sick people, the fear of infection, hearing the moaning echoing across the floor at night, all this does not contribute to help a speedy recovery. One looks forward to receiving visitors, usually restricted to just two people, but dependent on one's condition, a larger number is often overlooked by the nursing staff. But mostly, the visitors' conversation centers on the patient's reason for being in hospital, the treatment and other medical matters, instead of taking the patient's mind off his ailment. When sharing the room with an Arab patient, it can sometimes get overcrowded because their culture encourages visits by family groups and that can disturb rest. Sick children being away from home sometimes for extended periods need particular care. For them, being parted from parents, siblings and friends presents hardship that is not conducive to recovery. One certainly does not discuss their medical condition in their presence. On the contrary, visiting time must be taken up with fun and games to relieve their boredom. But for all patients, the best healing agent is laughter, and that is provided by medical clowns, also called therapeutic clowns or clown doctors. They are trained professional performers who use improvisation, physical comedy, magic, puppetry and music, bringing laughter, physical and mental well-being and hope to patients. I believe that Israel has more than one organization of medical clowns, which is really wonderful. I heard much about Simchat HaLev, and thought that listeners would be interested to hear how they operate. So I invited their veteran clown and senior lecturer Jeff Gordon, together with a relatively newly trained Kara Nachshon, to the Walters World Studio to hear all about their methods and their successes. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having us. Jeff Is medical clowning unique to Israel? It's not unique to Israel. Uh, Medical clowning is across the world, originating in America. Uh, It's very developed here in Israel, that's for certain. A lot of research in the medical clowning field is uh, done in Israel. So what does Simchat HaLev mean? And when was it established and by whom? The Joy of Heart Foundation is the meaning of Simchat Alev, Joy of Heart, founded by Svi Meir in 2000, when the first course of medical clown training was inaugurated. Are all your clowns professional or are they being trained by you? They're all trained by me. Uh, Most people don't come from a clowning background. So they're introduced for the first time to the role of the clown 
and the particular role of the clan in relation to supporting uh, mental well-being, emotional well-being in hospitals. So I have to ask, where did you get your clowning experience from? I trained in London under Django Edwards for a year, in addition to learning community theatre, which gave me the theatre background. I'm a drama therapist trained in Israel and learnt on the first course of medical clowning in Israel. So I was the first student in the first course in Israel around this field. Medical clowning requires a special personality and, of course, sensitivity. What are the skills required and how does the selection work? And what is the percentage of rejection of applicants, if any? It's very important to understand that Simchat Alev has approached the general community. So it's a willingness to put yourself out there as a clown and perform in a fun slapstick way and create physical humour. Everybody can essentially learn it. The only people who are rejected from our courses are people who are maybe looking for therapy. It's not a therapy for the individual. You can take the skills that they learn as clowns and take it out there to help others. So is anybody able to become a medical clown? My belief that if they're trained well, everybody can become a medical clown and contribute to this wonderful profession to others. And how long does the training take? The training that I run takes six months. Ooh, that's a long time. That's a long time, but it's starting on the basis that people don't even have sometimes a theatre background. So starting from the understanding of the language of theatre through to the role of the clown and then the clown in, in terms of communication in various hospital settings. And at what stage of the training are they let loose on the patient? Towards the end, when we feel confident that they understand what it means, go into a room where people are largely in pain, depressed, and how to raise those people's spirits with a great level of sensitivity, including a performance app. So do you take them along as observers when you work? No, the first time they go in supported by myself and other trained, experienced clowns who give them that back up and they learn in the field exactly how all the theory comes together. So once trained, is there a system of probationary period under supervision? There is a general support from the organisation itself amongst people who are veterans working in the profession for much longer who make sure that the new people are working in a successful and effective way. You brought along with you a relatively new clown and I welcome you, Kara Nachshon. Thank you very much. What brought you into medical clowning? According to the family, I was always a little bit of a clown. I always enjoyed telling a good story and making everyone laugh around the table. Always took very imaginative, very graphic. Never really realised that I could take it somewhere professionally till I hit the age of 60 when I saw an advert on Facebook for Simchat Alev course in medical clowning and it just appealed to me. I signed up, paid to do the course, went for the interview, Jeff accepted me on the course, and the rest is history. You are a volunteer, but yet you said uh, doing it professionally. Well, I feel that it's a profession like every other profession. Unfortunately, in Israel, there doesn't seem to be enough money to pay people for the work that they do. My age, I'm not looking for a paid career, but. I'm sure many of the young clowns would very much like 
to be paid for what they do, but we all, in essence, volunteer. From Simchatalev, that is. I can't tell you about the other clowning organisations. I had to go through a process. So I'm a registered medical clown in a hospital in Jerusalem called Sharet Tzedek, but I do it voluntarily. I volunteer also in a special needs kindergarten in Jerusalem and in a school for autistic children in Modi'in. Is that under the auspices of Simchat Halev? My volunteering posts are registered with Simchat Halev, but they don't find me the position. How much time do you devote to this commendable work? Generally once or twice a week, two or three hours at a time. It's very demanding physically. I generally come out completely exhausted. And I do lose myself when I'm there, because when I take on the clown role, I probably could stay there all day. I have to restrict myself. Do you prefer to work for adults or children, and why? I think the feedback is very different from adults to children. It also depends what situation the children are in and what situation the adults are in as to how I feel about approaching them but I love wherever I am. I don't have any preference. What do you mean by the situation? The emergency room is very different to the mother and baby unit or geriatric or oncology. I have to think before I go in. I don't plan what I'm going to do and what I'm going to say, but I do have to think about where I'm going. So how do the patients react? Well, first of all, I stand in the doorway and assess the situation before I go in. Sometimes people look at me and they wave their fingers like, don't come in. Sometimes the patients, sometimes the family that they're... But that they are lying in a bed most of the day without any company. The wagging of the finger doesn't put me off. And I go in and I start doing my thing. And before I know it, we've got... You've got a rapport. We've got, yeah. And I lift them out of where they are. Sometimes they don't even want to tell me their name. And by the time I've left, I could know their whole family history and they're laughing and smiling and thanking me for coming. What would be their reason not to have someone funny coming in? I think that when people are sick and are concentrating on their sickness and concentrating on their depression and their anxiety and their upset, they don't think that someone's going to be able to lift them out of it. And they realize once we have been with them that we have lifted their mood. Do you visit the same patients more than once? And if so, you have to change your material, don't you? Generally, thank God, we normally see different people each time we go into the hospital. Most of the time, the patients are not there when we go back. Obviously, in the kindergarten and in the school, it's the same children and they remember us and I always wear the same clothing. Some clowns have a whole wardrobe and they change their look but I wear black, red and white because that apparently are the three colours that children first see when they're born and I like the idea. So people remember me and I start to clown from the minute I get out of the car. That was a wonderful insight into your work. Let me turn back to you, Jeff. First of all, do you need an official pass to walk around the wards? Yes, today you need to have a certificate that you're trained as a medical clown, and then you need to be registered as a volunteer through Simchat Alev and the hospital itself. 
We have a card. We don't have any uh, problems with security and they're very aware that we're uh, doing our rounds. Of course, medical clowning is more than just entertainment. Are women or men better suited for it and have greater success with the patients? I think anybody who's trained approaches it with an open heart, with a sensitivity, can get the maximum uh, from it and develop a rapport that's necessary to lift the person's spirits and contribute to their healing. So I wouldn't say there is a difference between men and women in this field. In fact, clowning is beyond men and women. A clown is something both universal and not gender-based at all. In Simcha Talev, what is the proportion? I would say 70% women, 30% men. Kara, very importantly, what is the attitude of the medical staff to your activity? Is there any hint of uh, animosity because you are disrupting their work or do they cooperate? They welcome us in, in all the wards and look forward to us coming. But we have been trained that if there are doctor's rounds or a patient is being treated, we stand back. You leave the room? We don't necessarily leave the room because sometimes we can be an aide. And finally, Jeff, do you feel that you have an influence to change the sometimes too business-like relationship between nurse and patient? I think it has a great influence on many levels. A circle of joy that clowns create when they walk into the hospitals has an impact from everybody from the person cleaning the room to the nurse to the doctors that come in. We really managed to break through the greyness and the sense of depression that often imbues the atmosphere of a hospital. I would love that as many people as possible could be trained to be medical clowns because there is such a need out there for people to be supported in their healing and also for the people who train as medical clowns. I think it has for them a very positive impact on their lives as a whole. That was most interesting. I have a lot more questions, but I must end here. Thank you both very much for taking the time to come to the studio and tell us all about your wonderful work. Thank you. Thank you, Walter. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much. When the internet first started, it was hailed as a wonderful innovation to promote free speech, and indeed, it was used as such. It also became an opportunity for entrepreneurs to start so-called social media platforms that enable individuals to establish their own pages in which to communicate with others. It was a revolution in communication that was widely welcomed, although it also had wide-reaching negative effects. First of all, it stifled face-to-face -face conversation that impacted detrimentally on the young generation and can now sadly be observed among the wider population. A social get-together of family or friends in a coffee shop often deteriorates into everyone burying their head into their own smartphone. Pedestrians crossing the road deep in texting activity and on the sidewalk they are often bumping into each other, oblivious of their surroundings. I can give many reasons why the smartphone is as harmful an influence on the normal function of our society as it is helpful in many ways. 
More recently, the internet sadly brought us back to Orwellian times. The social media platforms have grown in influence, been politicized, and their once modest inventors have become too big for their boots, as the British would say. The Zuckermans of this world believe themselves to be the arbiters of acceptable political views worldwide and exercise unwarranted censorship to influence public opinion. That is totally contrary to the purpose they originally envisaged. Unfortunately, the use of social media has for most become their indispensable way of communication, often banal, that any organized action against their modus operandi would be ineffective because people just would not want to be without it anymore. The next social revolution, with negative effects, will be triggered by AI, artificial intelligence. Its ultimate results will not only heavily influence our daily lives, but will bring us into conflict with the Almighty, who has created us and given us the ability to conduct our lives. It would be sacrilege, a chilul Hashem, to try and emulate our Creator. And finally, I have a question for our listeners. The American Democrats are pushing for the voting age to be lowered to 16. Would you support or oppose this and why? Please write to me to walter at israelnewstalkradio.com where you will always get my personal reply or place your answer on the comment section of the Walters World page on our website. So, today you heard comments on a number of subjects, a lot of food for thought. So please, let me have your views. You've just heard the address. Until the next time, this is Walter Bingham wishing my Jewish listeners a meaningful three weeks leading to the saddest day in Jewish history and to all my other friends have a good and safe week. Make it also one for your elderly neighbor by dropping in and seeing if they are okay. Thank you. Goodbye.